As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You ever think about quitting? It's the combat of life, hammering the snot out of you. Well, stand by, dig in deep, and get ready to get fired up with us. Welcome to the Team Never Quit Podcast, the number one podcast that inspires you to fight on. I'm your host, David Rutt Rutherford, here with Mr. Never Quit himself, Marcus Luttrell. Our mission is to help you embrace the suck of life, to teach you the values of working your ass off, and to interview the most hard-charging people on planet Earth. We know life is hard. It's time for you to suck it up, buttercup, and let us teach you to persevere in every environment imaginable by sharing real-world lessons learned by those who never quit. That's right. It's time, Marcus, for us to help them defeat the well, negative you insurgency up, in their lives. You fire me up, Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's roll. Let's roll. Marcus, have I ever told you just how important football was to me growing up as a young man? Have I ever told you what I learned on the gridiron, right? On the battlefield of, of football. All the different lessons that I learned in life, right? As a young man, starting in, in when I was four years old playing flag football, all the way through the ranks of Pop Warner, all the seven different teams I played, the all through junior high, into high school, into a postgraduate year up in Connecticut. What I learned about life, I think I learned mostly through football. Pain, right? A lot Football's of family. ugly pain. <laughs> Football's great, isn't it? It's an amazing sport. Sports are great. Sports in general You're great. are great. You're great. You're great. <laughs> You're so great. Back in the day, it was we took it from war and conflict, and we turned. If you really want to, I'm gonna. We're gonna meet in the on the field instead well, of killing each other. We. Oh, bro! Now you're talking <laughs> because my girlfriend Jana, her grandfather Roland, right, was from this teeny little town, Jay, Maine. And when he got he was he got paralyzed uh, a month before the push into Berlin, right? He's in the army, took shrapnel in the base of his back, paralyzed him, right? Came home in a wheelchair. Did he stop? Did he quit? No. He ended up bringing sports 
to the entire town. His family dedicated all the, this huge amount of land to build all the sports fields because he believed that athletics is the way young people evolve, the way they, they cut a pathway towards their futures, right? Through athletics. What we learn from trial and error, not even in baseball, but football, but every form of athletic competition is like life. Well, it doesn't, doesn't matter what the sport is. It pulls all the people together and puts them in a position to have to work together to accomplish a goal. And then you got the families around, every family cheering each other, even the, the, not your kids, right? It's a perfect example of how it's supposed to be. Well, it's funny, man. Sports, they elicit so much emotions. You know, I, I, I played collegiate lacrosse. I all grew up playing every sport there was. But now, finally, my oldest daughter, uh, the Bear, had is on her first soccer team and and I ended up going to her first game a few weeks ago and it was funny the the intensity that I felt in all those years was there and you know it's just a bunch of six and seven year olds because you know my girlfriend's daughter plays as well too but it's just it's so invigorating to see them step forward on this pathway of all these great lessons that are they're going to learn and defeat as well as in victory, that's going to set them up for the great successes of life. That is the cool part about being a dad, right? Oh. I remember going to watch Hunter play football for Go him, no, not. <laughs> you can't help it, especially the way we are, because we, we fire each other up. So you're wanting to fire him up, right? So that's, <laughs> that's, that's the little you out there getting after it. And you're do this. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun, man. It's epic. And, and we've got a guy coming on the show today that is the embodiment of what athletics can do for you. What the, the pathway, the doors they can open, the, the lessons you can learn in the arena of life, right? The gentleman that's coming on. And thank you, Marcus, for reaching out to your close friend and, and, for, and for getting him to decide to come on. It's just, I, I know it's going to be an amazing show. I know this guy's going to bring such intense positivity and perspective that it's literally gonna i I mean our listeners are in for a treat today yeah he's a gift oh he truly is a gift but first this is the team never quit podcast i'm your host with david wait i'm your host i'm your host host. host. we're starting to talk about ourselves in third person the royal (laughs) we yeah This is the Team Never Quit Podcast. I'm your host, David Rutherford, with Mr. Never Quit himself, Marcus Luttrell, and the infamous, the omnipotent, the (laughs) What do you think about that one, bud? I'm stupefied. <laughs> I was holding my breath. Did you <laughs> stupefied? I was hoping he wasn't gonna have an aneurysm. Long <laughs> go. Looks like we're okay. Oh God, I think I watch TV when somebody goes in the water. Do you hold your breath to see? If, oh, uh, totally, oh, okay. totally, dude. Oh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Does that, right? I do. I do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome to the show. If this is your first time listening, man, stand by, troop, because we have got something in store 
for you. If you're a repeat offender, welcome back to the show. We love you more than anything you could ever imagine or dream of. Because without you guys, we would not be doing what we're doing, which is closing, coming in up on 7 million downloads. Holy cow. 100 plus shows. Oh my God. I'm telling you what, man. And most importantly, our listener write-in stories are are getting bigger and bigger and Team bigger Ryan. and big. Oh, we bro. are getting some novels now. We are we, literal like people I mean, are sitting down, and they must they must write these over days because they're starting to get pages long. Pages we're, we're long. In depth. That'll be the, the the books that go out. Just oh, bro, <laughs> bro, stand by to stand by. Where that we haven't even begun on that, man. If you want to know why the hell Marcus the Wizard and I are doing this, man, please visit our website at TNQ Podcast. That's TNQ Podcast, where you can find all these listener write-in stories. You can find why we're doing it. You can find the 100-plus shows we have out there. And you can also find, which I am fired up to announce, you can find... The next edition of this year's Patriot Tour is about ready to happen, Uh, brother. The Patriot Tour is back together. Marcus, Chad, Taya, and Goggins. 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 Dude, blown up. Off the radar. Blown (laughs) off the radar, dude. It is going to be epic. So... If you want to get your tickets, just go visit our uh, the teamneverquit.com forward slash Patriot Tour. Find your tickets for October 18th at the Thelma Gaylord Performing Arts Theater in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. On October 20th at the Marat Theater at Old National Center in Indianapolis, Indiana. November 14th at the Jones Hall in Houston, Texas, which is going to be a big one, right? November 16th at the BJCC in Birmingham, Alabama. And final date of this year is November 18th at the Paramount Theater in Denver. I do say Denver, Colorado, brother. What do we got in store this year? brother how what 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 are uh, what are the audiences gonna hear this time around you got to think of a uh it's a comedy show a drama uh it's got all of that it's got everything (laughs) involved man it's something man they uh i'm so happy to be a part of it man those guys are great listen we we this year after year city after city this is probably the greatest event that you can go to bring your family to I mean, God, country, family, that's exactly what these speakers represent. That's who they are as people. Trust me. I know them all. We've had them all on the show. Uh, you know, yeah, I thought we, you know, we, we made it to Broadway. Yeah, yeah, yeah Broadway. right? Last, last year. year. Last that's year. Like, right. Oh, man, that's good. And we, uh, 
Fans brought us back together. That's right. And this year's sponsor, primary sponsor, is Benchmark Mortgage. And we're happy to have them behind the Patriot Tour. All right. If you also want to get out there and you want to buy some T-shirts, you go to TeamNeverQuit.com. There's there's Patriot Tour T-shirts. There's Team Never Quit T-shirts. There's Team Never Quit podcast swag. Mm. Swaggy, 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 swaggy. Get your load out. How is that for our new like jingle get your Inspiring. load out get your load. <laughs> Inspiring. That, that i thought it was pretty good yeah. i thought it was pretty good and if you want to follow us just check us out you can follow marcus at marcus luttrell you can follow me at team frog logic and you can follow the wizard at the wizard uh, the underscore wizard underscore tnq he's out there doing his dirty work on on instagram as well too all right, wizard, brother, give us a little lowdown on LaDamian Washington, would I you I think please? before we get into LaDamian, we need to talk about one more thing which showed up in the mail yesterday. Oh, my God, brother. Dude, first let me, let me set this up, though. Let me set this up. So one of my favorite shows by far, and we've talked about it endlessly, and, and I get asked all the time, what's one of your favorite shows? By far, Tim Ballard, right? Operation Underground Rescue. I, it was one of the only shows I was sitting here with tears in my eyes when he was telling those stories about his kids in Haiti, who he now has adopted and living with him, right? And also the, the Colombian sting that they did down in Colombia, right? Yeah, which I, kicked off their efforts for that organization. Right, which was the first one out there. That and was in his fourth city. A fourth city hit. Yeah. And having that man on has been profound in my life to recognize that there are dudes out there that are answering a call to the most dramatic thing that happens, in my opinion, the most, the greatest pronouncement of evil that exists on this planet, which is the sex slave trade of children in this world, much less even adults too, but children is the one that just caves me in emotionally. Well... So he writes me an email recently, and he's been killing it. He's all over the place with the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's been on with Tony Robbins now. Uh, everybody's been to Washington multiple times to promote his efforts to, to end this. So he sends us an email, and he says, Hey, I just want to tell you guys something. I want to say thank you because it was coming on your show that sparked what happened next in my life, which was to write the new book he has out and to take these stories that I told and turn them into a book about the slave trade, past and present, that is literally tearing it up out there right now in book sales because the stories are so profound. Wizard, could you share a little bit more about what this book is about. Yeah, so I'm sitting here looking at Slave Stealers. That is the title of his new book, Slave Stealers. True accounts of slave rescuers then and now. And I'm just going to read an excerpt in here because it sounds really interesting. Unfortunately, since we just got this yesterday, we have not personally read it yet, but I think you're going to agree that after listening to this, it sounds very, very interesting. In 1800s, American South, Harriet Jacobs is enslaved and tormented by a cruel master. He relentlessly attempts to force her into sexual union, and when rebuffed, he separates her from her children and spends a lifetime trying to coerce her and then recapture her when she escapes to freedom. 
Jacob, Jacob's outwits her tormentor and eventually reunites with her children, works in the cause of abolition and reform, and helps newly freed slaves with education and aftercare. In 2012, Timothy Ballard encounters a grieving father in Haiti whose three-year-old son has been kidnapped and sold into slavery, along with thousands of children who were orphaned after an earthquake devastated the country. Inspired by Harriet Jacobs, Tim pledges to track down the missing child, leaving his job at the Department of Homeland Security to establish Operation Underground Railroad. This foundation infiltrates black markets and human trafficking, liberates victims, and provides a comprehensive aftercare process involving justice and rehabilitation for survivors. Doesn't that read as a fictional story? Those are both, I mean, these are, these are, true, these are true life stories. Of heroes. Slave Stealers alternates these two riveting stories, weaving them together to expose the persistent evil of trafficking and sexual exploitation that has existed for centuries and inspiring us to find a way to end it. Filled with heartbreaks and triumphs, miracles and disappointments, hair-raising escapes and daring rescues, this gripping book provides insight into the terrible evil and the good that can be done when caring people step up and stand in the light. I mean, this man, uh, this man and what he has done uh, to counter possibly one of the greatest cancerous scourges on the earth, like we were talking about, the exploitation of children and sexual trafficking, is um, it's profound in its, its inspiring nature. And by going out Picking this up, you're not only going to be supporting that cause, but you're also going to be in very, I mean, what appears to be a very interesting book. Well, the, the, the education that people need to have about the profound nature of the sex slave trade that's existing, that still exists around the world, is nothing short of, of repulsive, right? And Tim is at the tip of the spear. Man, I love hearing stories about people that that defy the odds, that people that uh, are not going to go along with the status quo, right? They're, they're going to go and they're going to fight for what is right. They're going to fight for what makes a difference. They're going to change life around them. And, and to, I think it's the perfect caveat into a young man that we're having on the show today, breaking all the odds, changing the course of, of, of the expectations of life, man. And this is the guy. So, you know, wizard, could you please, you know, tell us a little bit about LaDamian Washington. Yeah. So switching gears here, let's, let's get to a really exciting guest that's coming up. American football wide receiver and motivational speaker uh, coming up out of Shreveport, Louisiana. In his younger years, uh, what what is so unique and ultimately how he kind of overcomes the situation is so inspiring in that he lost his father who was murdered when he was five years old. And then at 15, he has to go through the loss of his mother as well who dies, who dies of a stroke. The same year, he's a sophomore in high school. He loses uh, his best friend who is also murdered. He has three other brothers. They band together and raise themselves. The oldest, LaCourtney, 19 at the time, signs on to be a guardian of his family, and they keep themselves together. What's going to be so interesting to find out is what, you know, what allowed LaDamian to rise out of such hardship and onto a trajectory which makes him the man he is today. He went on to um, play football at the University of Missouri, where he had a successful career there. But then he moves on to the NFL and has some, again, he goes through a very difficult time here. Originally drafted by the Dallas Cowboys in 2014, he bounces around due to following that. 
um, across six other NFL teams due to injury or simply you know being waived. Then goes to play in the Canadian Football League. Doesn't quite catch there. But now he has another. He is still sticking with this. He has signed with Alliance in Birmingham, Alabama, to play in the 2019 season. So this, this story is, uh, I'm really curious to see where he goes first with his never quit story and how all this, he ties all this in together. I think there's a lot to be learned by his example here. Um, very interested in hearing from him. And Marcus, you, you've been friends with him for a long time now, man. Tell us. Tell us uh, how you my, met him. I call my Eagles, right? Now I'm excellent when I'm doing physical, <clears throat> excuse me, physical therapy, and uh, I just kind of got a, got attached to him. And it's funny because you, you, when you run across young men and they got great attitude, well mannered, like well, he comes come, comes from a good family, or you hear the background where it's all been stripped apart, and you're like, now I understand why. It, it's funny, try, you you can develop into a good man regardless regardless from both paths right Amen. the hard one or the or the easy one mm. and um then it's just I, I grab a hold of two or three of them all of them mainly but there's a couple of them that i just keep in touch with all the time yeah <laughs> and he's one of them he's one of them right and uh i'm i'm so thankful for that too and that he's coming on here you guys you're not gonna believe it man he is exceptional and it's just one story after the other. I mean, he's got it all. He's got that grit, man. It's gonna, it's gonna be something. Awesome. Well, what do you say, so. boys? Let's bring him on, huh? Marcus, there's nothing that gets under my skin more than when we get to bring an athlete on. I mean, a true athlete. Somebody that understands the grind. Somebody that understands what what the gridiron is all about. Being the fact that you know that I am in my heart near and dear, I am a football player. I will always be a football player. I can still throw the ball 50 yards in a tight spiral. I still think about football all the time. I eat, sleep, breathe, and live football in a place that's over over here locked away because I understand how hard it is to make the dream come true. That's why I keep that patch of grass over there cut down that hundred yard for me to go out and play football. That's for me. Isn't that really? That's for me. I That's why you love me as much Chuck, as you. That is with the trees. Bro, and, uh, bro right. we got to actually put like lines out there. We got to put a goalpost. Yeah, the, uh, the, the Sandlot football holiday game is going to, it's, it's on now. You got to probably. Well, that's not fair because I know just like you do in softball, you have ringers on the. Yeah, you, yeah, man, you, I'll yeah. Ring, Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I don't make money, I make friends, right? So, <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about me. You need to worry about what's coming with me. <laughs> that's exactly right. You know, showing up to play softball again, she got Jenny Finch pissing. And now we're going to go to the, the, the Thanksgiving tag football game. And there, the man, the myth, the legend La Damian Washington will be going out on fly routes for you, right? And you'll, wheels, the man. next thing you know, you'll have Troy Aikman throwing passes to him, right? That's the way right this now. is going to work. No, dude, that's not fair. <laughs> well, I, so I'm pretty fired up for this one, much more than the fact that he's just an outstanding football player, but because of the person that you have been telling me he is yeah, I've been, for the this, last... I've been waiting. Yeah. This is important to me, too, because well, we're close. And Melly, she's like, Louisiana. Yep. 
it all kind of fell into place. <laughs> and so to have him here is a true honor that I can't even imagine because bringing your friends on here means the world to me, and I know how much this young man means to you. Yeah. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Mr. LaDamian Washington. Thank you, you so doing, much for coming. <laughs> it's a pleasure. I'm fired up. I've been excited about this for a while, ever since Marcus asked me about a year ago, and I'm glad we're finally here and we can get this thing rolling. Amen to that. We are excited you're here with us as well, Man, too. And the schedules tap out. Every, we, we talk all the time, and, I, and I'm like, hey, man, you come with fun? Like, yeah, all right, good. I'm going to do that. And then that was a year ago. I know. I remember. <laughs> I, I went, well, well, I went to Canada for a little bit. That's right. so I was going like, for like eight months. Yeah, yeah, you fell yeah. in, in, in between that text message. Yeah, yeah. That's the craziest he, part. He went it. to Canada yeah, to play. Like, yeah. He had, a, he had to go. He was we busy. Had, we had Harvey showed up and hung out for a while. You know, it was just all this crazy. But we got you now. But you're here now. <laughs> Right on time. All right. So, Damian, as a man, as a, as a, as the highest quality athlete there is out there, you understand the necessity to warm up, the necessity to limber up the whole body, to get prepared for combat, to get prepared for the game itself. So, what we do before we jump into the nitty gritty of this show is we like to have a little warm up. Now, we like to stretch out your prefrontal cortex. We like to stretch out your emotional uh, uh, bandwidth a little bit. So (laughs) what we're going to do is we're going to hit you with a rapid series of questions that are going to be the most difficult, the most trying, the most tumultuously uh, hard questions you've ever been hit for within your life. Are you prepared for that? I think I'm ready. All right. Roger that. Marcus, fire away. Superhero, Wolverine. Nice, dude. Like we that. haven't gotten the Wolverine, Wolverine in a while, man. Right? And I've got the Spider-Man right there, but I'm Wolverine. It's about the healing capacity. No, no matter how hard you hit him, no matter how deep you cut him, he has the ability to heal. That's, and it's like, mm-hmm. and, and and he's dark, and you know, like I don't know, he's just badass. He's, I mean, yeah, he's getting his rap. <laughs> gets hit, gets knocked down, gets beat up. Everybody's afraid of that, right? But he's just down there he- and healing up. Get back up. Come right. Let's go. I love it. <laughs> I love it. it. Awesome. All right, Wizard, fire away. All right, what is the worst job you ever had? Awesome question. The worst job. I don't know. So when I was uh, 15, well, 16, I had to work at a hospital and deliver medical charts to the, the, the doctors and the nurses. Uh-huh. And I thought that was just great work because I had to be like, down in the basement part of the hospital. And nobody really likes to be at the hospital, right? No. And so I had to deliver medical choice to the uh, doctors. That was probably the worst job. Because after that, it was all football. So I, that's probably the only job I've had, too. <laughs> <laughs> that's well, now, what, what the funny thing is now, you know, whenever your career does end, you know, and you become a psychologist, man, they're going to be delivering charts to you. Well, right? At least by nature, yeah. if you have that spark inside of you, you don't like the hospital. Oh, totally. I mean, it's clean, no. it's, it's smell, but... but Man, there's just something about it. Like, no, nah, I don't want to go in there because. Where'd you do your rotations? Tampa. You were in Tampa. Bayfront. Yeah. Spring break. Yeah. Ebor oh, City. I mean, man. it was chaos. I bet. It was. I bet. All right. My question. Here you go. If you could have played any other sport and play it at the quality that you play yours, what would it be? And, and where would you like to play? 
Um, probably soccer for some reason. Yeah, soccer, I, don't, I think that? it's a worldwide sport. It's like the number one sport it in is. the world, honestly. In the in the U.S., we kind of starting to get it, but it's like if you could play soccer, they're probably the best athletes, the most conditioned. I mean, and they're out there grinding. They, I don't know what team I would play for. Probably Real Madrid or something. I don't know. Yeah, no, like because we had a we had a World Cup this summer. And you, you, you can't like as again as American, we can't fathom it. But when it happens, man, you're it's overwhelming to see the entire world get behind something. I'm right? The TV. I don't watch soccer yeah. any other time, but World Cup is on. I'm there. Yeah, I, I'm with Marcus. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I'm there. And when we're overseas, they they play soccer. Ever. I mean, be blown up field with rocks in, but there will be some kids out there with a ball with playing ball. soccer. Yeah, playing soccer. absolutely. Yeah. All right, Marcus. Is it my turn already? Your turn, buddy. All right, brother. If you could call yourself in five years, what's one question you would ask yourself? Ooh, interesting. Oh, that's good. Um, are you that? Are you still inside that same kid from five years prior? Because I think sometimes we lose ourselves in everything that happens in life, and we forget that at the end of the day, we still that same person. No matter what happens to us in life, no matter where we go, no matter what road, whether it's dark or bright outside, like no matter what. Sometimes we kind of lose that inner self, and that's what I would ask myself. Are you still that same kid that grew up in Shreveport, Louisiana? Are you the same kid still from five years ago? Like, I would never want to lose that person I truly am, no matter where life takes me. And that's the end of the show. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine we need to get into more of that later. <laughs> that was oh, way deep on that one. Awesome. How are we doing? I'm, I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry about that. No. That's just the, that's the, that was awesome, man. Holy cow. All right, go ahead, wizard. Let's see. Give us one person you admire above all others for their physical ability, and then also someone you admire for their mental ability. All right. Um, and why? Physical. Mm, that's tough. I, I just feel like I've met so many great athletes. Um, so that one is pretty much tough for me. Uh, physical ability. Physical ability. I know probably my guy Jarrell Jackson. He he uh he played football with me. Skinny guy from Houston, Texas, right down there by Marcus. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a skinny dude, probably like one eighty five on a on a good day. Wow. But I mean, in the gym, this dude is a freak athlete. I mean, got probably like a forty plus inch vertical. Jesus. Bench is about three sixty plus. Squats oh. about six hundred. And I'm like, dude, like you making little old me look bad in here. Like, he's <laughs> wow. But. He's, he's my personal trainer, and I, I can tell you this, like, he gets me going every day. Like, he, he doesn't know it because, I mean, he's my friend, so I wouldn't tell him he, like, motivates me. But when I step in the gym, I'm like, all right, if I could be half as good as Jarrell today, I'm good to go. That's oh, awesome. I love cool. it. We got to have and, those people. In a mental standpoint, and uh, I don't know, it, it's weird to say this, but Marcus is probably my guy, honestly. Like, every time, like, I just think about, like, setbacks and overcoming, you know, it's like, how can, like... It's about that inch, like he just says, that stick. Draw that line in the sand. Get get to the next stick. Like it's just like right there. Like no matter what we're going through in life, let's not look behind. Let's not look too far. Let's look right there to that next inch. I don't know. That's a that's a strong mindset to have because sometimes you know it's like you yeah. lose sight of that. Yeah, well, they keep looking back. You know what's back there. <laughs> oh, right. Why do I keep doing that? We know what's back there, man. Let's let's, let's go this go way forward. Yeah, Damien. LaDamian, you and, and millions of other people look to that, that gentleman over there, too. So I, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. All right. So here you go. If you could go back in time to any period, 
in history and sit down with somebody and have break some bread with them, have a glass of wine or beer, who would it be and when? Um, I would go back to Christmas 2006. Uh, that was actually three days before I left, lost my mom. And so, oh, wow. I don't know, I think I would mm. just enjoy that moment, just sit there. I wouldn't, I wouldn't ask too many questions, nothing but the basics, like, you know, like, how was I as a kid? Like, <laughs> you know, did you think I was a troubled child? What do you think I will become in the future? Like, it, like I would just ask stuff like that, like, mm. not even nothing about the present. I would just ask about stuff that was going on in that time that now I sit back that I kind of took for granted. And I wish I had asked, but as a 15-year-old kid, but... That's what I would do. And I would just love on it. And just, you know, I think that's the thing, you know, we have our parents and we have all these relationships that we build and, you know, we need to tell people we love them as often. So that's probably what I would do. Just tell our love and just enjoy that moment. That is probably the best lesson in that answer. The best answer I've ever gotten to that question. So thank you very much. Jesus. I'm (laughs) I'm like, holy cow, dude. (laughs) Holy cow, man. All right, brother, go ahead. You're up. All right. First car. 85 money, Carlos. Champagne, go. I miss it. Monte Carlo. <laughs> I love Monte. it. Monte. Monte. Yeah. I, I say, I say, so I had that job, right? The job I told you guys about, probably worst job, the only job I actually had because, yeah. you know, football is not really a job. I love it, right? So I saved up all summer and I got like $2,500 and I saw for sale sign on this Monte Carlo and I was like, I got to have it. I was like, dude, how much do you want for it? It's like $2,000. I was like, so give Boom. it to me. And that was it, man. And you were, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, Monte Carlo on training day. With oh, like, you know, bro. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh dude. I love it. All right. Who's All right. next? What is, a, what is a hobby or skill you've always wanted to have, perhaps for a long time, but you have yet to learn it? Golf. Man. Nice. Golf. And I actually, so I, I do a lot of like charity events. And so, Guys are like bid on like some of the Mizzou athletes and stuff to play with. And I was so bad that the guys after said, dude, we really enjoy playing with you, but we're going to get you golf lessons. (laughs) 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 What does that mean? So I took the golf lessons, but I can tell you this, I'm, I'm still terrible. I still don't know how to score. Like, but it's just one of those things I never had as a kid growing up, but I enjoy going out there playing and having a few beers, but not that good at it. what, What do you like about golf? I'm curious. What is it about golf? I don't know. It's just something about the challenge. I think it's the challenge of it, knowing that I'm not that good at it and like going out every day, like, all right, I'm not good. I got to get right mentally. And then I still go out there and mess it up. And it's like, all right, I'm. Yeah, you can't get better. And the the deal is it's that first good shot. When everything comes together, and the pros will tell you this, the teachers, you're out there hacking and they're going to the woods and everything, and you're kind of just hanging out with the guys and you're, you're having a good time and whatnot. But then there's that moment when you actually hit that one good shot it goes where it's supposed to the club head everything oh, worked bro that's when it gets you and you're like wait a minute if i can do that one time if everything came in the sink then i can and that's what keeps bringing you back oh plus, dude i was I mean, you can play any sport why not golf the weather's great the scenery's great you're not getting hit dude, <laughs> right? right not bad on your body right no I, I i was in a golf i played in a golf tournament at a charity event i was at a couple weeks ago and and luck, I was playing with a guy that had like a four handicap, right? And we were playing a scramble, and 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 I'd have one hole, one hole, I'd have a birdie, you know. For the next four, I'd double, triple bogey, right? right? Then I'd hit par, and then tri- four triples, and and just those one little moments, like you, they keep you coming back. 
But it's just there's there's something peaceful about a golf course if you don't let the fact that you really stink get too much in your brain, right? I mean, it's <laughs> I, tell a this, I tell people this all the time. I got to go with my buddies that don't really take it that serious, but like the golf. Like, let's go out there, have a good time, enjoy yes. the day, and, and swing the clubs. Like, if you're taking it too seriously, you have you have thrown me completely off. Like, exactly. Well, you're not like, playing golf. No, right. You're supposed, you're supposed to be out True. there enjoying every every part of it. it takes you out of your. Yeah, that's why the Scots invented yeah, it, by the way. All the white men. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, here you go. If you could start a charity, right, that could affect a thousand people and change their lives forever, what kind of charity would it be and who would be your target recipients? Hmm. Oh, um, I would do, it's called, uh, I would call it One Step Forward, which we kind of already have in the, pro, in the, uh, in the working right now. Um, and we work with basically um, anywhere teenage kids, so around the age of like 13 to like 17, 18 area. And so it's called One Step Forward. And we put the forward on that that way, you know, because you could take one step in any direction. So we put forward on that just to let the kids know it's in the right direction. Right. And so what we did was we went to an alternative school and the kids didn't know. And so we gave... We went in there. I spoke. Um, my coach, Gary Pinkle, who was my uh, college coach, he, he was a guest speaker and a female speaker. And at the end, we surprised them all with a new pair of Nike shoes. That wow. is the resemblance of like walking in the right direction, walking forward from this day on. And it was a lot of kids that was like either like right before juvenile detention center. A lot of kids like refugee kids. They come from like different countries. They don't know how to speak English yet. And so first day of school, we wanted to do it right before school, but it's hard to know every kid's shoe size, right? So right. at the beginning, they all put down their shoe size and like their shirt size, and they didn't know what it was for. So we came back in in November, gave them a speech, you know, women, how to be women, men, how to be men, you know, like no matter what happened in life, this day forward represents a new day. We gave them all the new pair of Nikes to uh, walk in the right direction to symbolize that. So wow. that went, that's what it would be for. Wow. Cool. Jeez, I, I I think it's time we we pivot <laughs> to get to the meat and potatoes because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. he's he's dropping mad knowledge in the mad minute. We're just trying, <laughs> right, trying to bring the fourth into that, <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm, right? I'm sorry about that. I apologize. For that that that's what it would be for because I don't know. Like that's just what's happening. That's what I'm trying to do now and start my own nonprofit and start my own foundation like that. And I think I'm gonna call it um bigger than me. And then and and what it's gonna do is affect kids that's dealing with like mental health issues, especially now with social media and everything being so big and, you know, kids telling kids you got to have certain things to be a certain way or to be accepted in X, Y, and Z. So I'm in the process of getting my own business started with that and um, nonprofit. Wow. All right. Well, we want to jump heavily into that at, at towards the end for sure. Uh, Cause I want to bring as much as we want to bring as much as awareness as possible to your efforts. But right. you know, when we first, before we, we, we started recording with Damien, we, we talked a little bit about people come to our show. We believe because they're in that moment where they're trying to figure out how to draw that line in the sand, how to pull themselves forward just just an inch or a step or whatever it might be to ignite them in the right direction. And so if you could, would you please share with our listeners your greatest never quit story or stories? Okay. Um, that's a tough one. Um, all right, so 
earlier when you said I could if I could go back in time and, you know, break bread with one person, you know, and I talked about my mom. And, and the reason being is because when I was 15, uh, I lost my mom and uh, I had three brothers at the time. My oldest brother was 19. I had a brother that was 16 and my youngest brother was nine. Wow. And um, we grew up in Louisiana, single uh, parent uh, household. And I had lost my dad when I was already five. So my dad was already, you know, out the picture, deceased at the time. And so I remember, you know, usually, you know, you guys talked about uh, football, but doing basketball, doing the, the Christmas break, you always get the uh, Christmas break, like holiday classic during basketball season if you're in, like in mm-hmm. high school. Right. And mm-hmm. so my last vivid memory kind of is I'm at, I was a sophomore and for some reason I was in the varsity game and I like had a good game. And I remember being at the free throw line. My mom in the stands, and I look at her and I say, you know, like, and she's like, baby, if you make this, these, these free throws, I buy those new pair of joints you want for Christmas, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and so we go on and the game's over. We end up losing by like two or three. But as I walk out, I see my mom laid out, heavy breathing. Like somebody ran in the locker room and came and got me. It's like, hey, your mom is outside. You know, it seems like she's heavy breathing, like something's wrong. And I run out and my little brother is the only one there. He's nine at the time. And I get out there and it's a nurse. Thank God it was a nurse there that was like calming her down. You know, she knew what to do, called, you know, 911. And so at that moment, I I, I grabbed my little brother because I'm like, he don't need to see this. Right. Right. And so I take him to her car and luckily she had a friend there with her that she worked with. And her friend was able to drive and drove us to the hospital. But I remember connecting eyes with my mom as I grabbed my little brother. And and the the look in her eyes was like, everything is going to be all right. Like, you're gonna you're gonna be okay like that's the way that she looked at me and so we get to the hospital Mm -hmm. and you know my brothers come up there my other two brothers they weren't at the game but they come up there and they was like laughing like oh mom like you know at the basketball game again you know doing what she does because she was like that parent like love sports love their kids and so i was like no it's kind of serious you know like i think you know this it's nothing to joke about yeah like wow and so soon after we go back and the doctor's tell us like, Hey, your mom has passed away. And it's like, you know, in the oh movies where God. like the popcorn Jesus. freeze, like everything in the room is like still, I could tell you everybody's like reaction. It's like legit time froze for me. Right. Right. And as a 15 year old kid, you know, already lost my mom, uh, my, my dad, I lose, I lose my mom. It's like, where do I go? I grew up in Louisiana, you know, we didn't have much. I grew up like in the projects, the slums, like didn't have anything, but my mom taught me core values of life, you know, like treat everybody with respect, get your education, always keep God first, you know, and never, you know, take a day off without putting on your hard hat, basically. Yeah. And so my oldest brother was 19 at the time. He was able to to become my guardian legally, me and all three of my brothers that was younger than him. Right. And so the reason why that's my never quit moment is because despite everything that happened, my 19 year old brother, my 16 year old brother, Tom, me and my nine year old brother, we stuck together, which like a pack, I call it like the pack of wolves. Like I always think about like the pack of wolves, like wolves for me are so interesting <clears throat> because of the way that they stick together and look yeah. out for each other. And I mean, you watch a pack of wolves walk through like, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's something to it. It's like, awesome. I don't, I don't, it's it's awesome, awesome. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so for me, you know, we got evicted place to place. You know, we moved, whatever the case may be, probably had, you know, eight once a day, whatever the case may be, but we never gave up on each other. Wow. Like we never saw each other cry. We never got emotional. I mean, because it was all boys. So it's just like, all right, we're going to stay strong for each other. Like, although I might go to the bathroom and cry for two or three minutes, I'm not going to let you see it because we're men. We got this. We're strong. And so 
out of that, you know, my oldest brother by, you know, him sacrificing, he had just had a kid. Um, the high school that I went to, no one ever went division one. Um, my high school, no one really ever graduated. Like, you know, most people dropped out because they had to help their parents out financially or whatever the case may be, or maybe they got, you know, pregnant while they was in high school, had a kid. Right. And so for me to, for my brothers to never quit on me and for us to never quit and for me to get blessed to go to like this prestigious university of Unbelievable. Yeah. Right. And so so many days I could have, I could have quit. I could have kept working at that job I was working at. I could have gave up and say, you know, no, nobody ever from my high school ever went division one. Nobody ever graduates and go off to college. Nobody ever, you know, does anything different and break the cycle. Right. And mm-hmm. I didn't have that mindset because I feel like if I was giving up, I was giving up on my mom. I was giving up on my brothers who sacrificed so much for me to keep going. And so when I got to Mizzou, it was hard because I was the oddball out. Like I was just like, I was that kid, you know, I, I brought myself to college. I never drove over 30 minutes before, like wow. by myself. I got in the car and drove nine hours to Mizzou, checked myself in the dorms, uh, bought my, I didn't even have any money, honestly. I, I, I took Job Corps in, uh, in high school because uh-huh. I knew if I graduated, they'd give me a $1,200 check. So I knew nothing about checking accounts. I had never seen a laptop before. Uh, I wore big baggy clothes. Oh. I'm a skinny guy now, so imagine <laughs> back then, I probably weighed 150 and I wore like these XL shirts and stuff because I was a product of my environment. That's what I was taught. That's what I knew. But then I got here to university. Everybody wearing like the cargo, fitted yeah. polo shirts. And I was like, <laughs> I don't fit in. What, what am I doing here? Nine hours away. And so many times I wanted to give up and quit and like just go back home. But I was like, I'll be giving up on so much more than just myself. I'll be giving up on everybody that invested in me, my high school coach. I'll be giving up on the kids that grew up in the same environment that I grew up in, letting them know they're like, we, we can do it. Like, let's not get, you know, like it's, it's possible. It's doable. It's, it's okay to break the, the, the cycle. And I'll be giving up on my brothers, most importantly, who was back home, you know, not having water, maybe, maybe not even being able to watch me on TV. I felt guilty that I was, you know, getting three free meals a day. Right. I was, hmm. I had electricity. I was, I was a bed. living this college, like a, a bed, a bed. I, a bed. I had never had a bed. I just had like two mattresses stacked, stacked on top of each other. I never had the, the bed frame. Wow. So for me, I felt guilty because I was like, I left my brothers behind and I just always had that win on me. But to this day, you know, I was the first of my family to graduate. I think I had a decent career here at Mizzou and um, the first to ever go professionally in my family. And now my little cousin plays for the University of Houston, which I'm going down next week. Nice. And so it's like Mm. you break the cycle and you teach, you know, your family, you teach the kids that's looking up to you. I think the greatest gift that a kid could give back to his parents is the 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 gift of knowing that they sacrificed was well worth it and that you went on and be the best you you can become. And so I tell people all the time, you know, it's not about, you know, a lot of people, especially in my generation, we talk about generational wealth and, you know, all this. I think it's about generational expectation. Right. Because that could that could never be taken away from you. Like somebody can come and huh. you can lose your riches, you can lose it all, but the expectation of knowing that, you know, oh, my dad went to college. It's not about, am I going to college? It's like, which college am I going to go to? Right. right. Oh, my dad got his master's. So, all right, what, what, what do I want to get my BA in? My dad got his master's. So I, I know it's possible. I know it's doable. And so that's probably my greatest never quit. Because there was so many days in there where I was like, didn't have transportation, rode a bike, where there was like 20 miles to get something, whatever the case may be. Because in my neighborhood, we don't have fast food restaurants. They're all on the other side of town. Like, right. it's all churches liquor stores and, uh, and we call them corner stores back home which is basically like a convenience store mm-hmm. but right it was so many days i just wanted to give up and be like all right like 
how do I keep going? How do I keep pushing? But, you know, I watched my mom make that sacrifice. I watched my brothers make that sacrifice. I watched, you know, kids come up and be like, hey, like, great job. Like, I love what you're doing. And I was like, how can I give up on that? You know, so that's probably my greatest, like, never quit moment. That, that's probably one of the most powerful stories I've ever heard, for sure. Um, to lose both parents and to lose your mom at 15, that really pivotal age of where you make the determination of, hey, I'm going to go beyond what the expectation is. Because I think, like, what if, you know, in your situation, the expectation there, it is not for advancement and it is not to do anything other than to get into the cycle. Can you explain where that sense of expectation, how it was set, who started in your life to cultivate this expectation of, of, of something beyond for you and for your brothers, or did you guys do it together? Um, I think it honestly, and I think what's missing in that story is I, I make it seem like, you know, after I lost my mom, I just was like, all right, we're going to stick together and boom. I got to college and the rest was history. I, I actually missed school for about the next like two months. And the first day I walk into school and my brother, he's a year older than me and he walks in school and the first kid that he saw, he just levels him, boom, hits him. Wow. And so I'm like, oh, so I jumped in and, and my school was like that school, like metal detectives before you walk. Like it was like, right. You know? Mm-hmm. And so he saw a kid he didn't like, and I guess all that aggression, he just hit him. And so I jump in the fight and we like beat this kid up bad. And, and we got kicked out of school. So I went to alternative school. Wow. So I got I got kicked out of public schooling. And so as I'm there and I'm seeing the way that everything like we have to wear black shirts, khaki pants, IDs, like it was like strict. Like we didn't we no windows in this school. We had two minutes to get to and from each class. We couldn't bring jackets into school, like any of that. And I just remember like a teacher when they pulled up this newspaper, he was like, A lot of you kids are gonna be on the front. Like I guess everybody had, you know, kind of like pissed them off in the class. And he was like, A lot of you are gonna be on this newspaper one day, you know, or whatever, you know. The, He's like the inquisitor, basically, like, right. you know, for bad stuff. And I looked at it and I never said anything at this school. because I was like, I want to get back to school so I can play football. Like, I want to get back into public schooling. And so I remember like, just like, hey, like, that's false. Like, I'm going to be on the front of that paper one day and it's going to be for something positive. And I think that was the first time I told like I spoke positive to myself since my mom's death. And I was wow. like, 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 wait. Like, did I, did I just like, you know, like, yeah, did, like, did I, just, am just, I capable of it? Yeah. Am, but I told myself that was the first time I talked to myself positive, like in a positive mm. manner. Like I was like, wait, and now I have to prove him wrong. Like I have to do it. Like I'm one of those people. If I said like, I'm going to do it and I, and I have to prove you wrong or prove myself right in this, in this case, you know? And so from that moment on, I made sure that I went to like, got my grades out and, and did everything right. And I ended up graduating with a three, eight GPA after that. I got back into oh, public school and wow. graduated with a three, eight GPA. And in that time, I think the sacrifice was my brother was struggling to keep us in a place. And I was just going from friend house to friend house, not really having a place to call home. And I was like, I want so much better for my brothers, like than where, than where we are. But I think that pivotal moment was the first time I talked to myself in a positive, like mindset way, like, Oh, I can do it. Not only that, like, let me keep reinforcing it to myself. Now you can't really pick where you're born into the, into the world. And it's just, or what what comes at you in the beginning. It's kind of like being born and driving a monster truck for the first time at a rally, right? You just get all over the place. You have no idea what's going on, man. You're crashing into stuff. And as you, and, and you go along and, and the stuff hits you, 
you realize everybody else is telling you that you can't do something. And if you tell yourself that as well, then it's over. But if you're, you're the best support you got when everything's been ripped away from you is yourself, right? Yeah. No matter how hard they hit you, man, you're like, all right, I, yeah, I know I'm that. I know I'm this. I know I'm that. But I don't feel that way. So let's see if I can get out of it. And it's all about breaking the cycle. And that's what you did. And it, internally, internally, in your brain first. And then you walk it out, crawl it out, really. Yeah. And then behind right. you, with that path that you've laid, it's a road now. And everybody just has it's understood. Just like with everything else, like, oh, that's the way we're supposed to go because, look, there's the road right there. He's already been down it. He paid it for us, and then they just widen it. So it's, 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 it's you've created a reality to your brothers behind you to follow. And that's what, in our families, we do that, too. It's, a lot of these guys think, like, man, I, got, I wasn't even supposed to graduate high school. Well, then in some arenas, it's like, that's not even a thing. Like, I don't right. have to graduate high school. I got to get my butt to college, and I got to get out, and I got to do this. And once that starts rolling, man, there is no, there's something else. Yeah, I'm in this war, and, I, and I'm dealing with all this outside influence, but the path, I'm still walking it. And, and, and that's what you did, man, and, you've, and you held to it. I remember them days, dude, getting in trouble as a kid, too, especially if your parents are gone. You don't have anybody to help you out of that. that there's that no one. reference point of morality, right? right? The older you is gone. Yeah. There's no guidance there. So you're the young, you're trying to figure it out and, open, and see which direction you need to go. And yeah, you're going to go down some wrong path. And then you turn around and you go back the other way. And, you, and you, you've done that in an excellent manner, man. And not only that, you tell people about it. And it's huge. It's, it's, it's insane. And you talked about it. It's like that was a path, but now it's a road. And you talked about like other people will always say, like, you know, I think I'm going to graduate. It, it was crazy because when I got to Mizzou, it was so many like kids that was here, like, passed out like Jim, they granddad went to Mizzou and then they great granddad went to Mizzou. And I was like, and he was like, you know, it was just a matter of like, you know, when I got here, it wasn't a, a choice. Like it was like the expectation. It wasn't like a doubt in their mind whether they was going to go to Mizzou or go to college at all. And, and where I'm from, it wasn't even preached to us from my high school hmm. to go to college. It was preached to like, all right, we got to get you get you kids to graduate. And I look back on that and I was like, we were set up for failure. And I think my greatest disappointment at the time, which I thought one time, I thought this was my greatest achievement, but I look back on it, it was probably my greatest disappointment in life. At 17, I got awarded the key to the city because I was getting ready to go to Mizzou. Right. Get ready to go to Mizzou. And I, you know, I got this academic scholarship, this, I mean, this um, athletic scholarship to go to college. And the mayor awarded me the key to the city in my own day. And as wow. a 17 year old, I was like, that's like, that's great. Like, that's phenomenal. But now that I look but I look back on it, that's, it's, it's actually a slap in the face to all the youth because mm. why should that have been rewarded? That should be the expectation. Like mm. at 17, I hadn't even like took one course. I hadn't even took one mm. college credit hour and I got the key to the city because where I'm from, that was that was great. Like if I didn't go any farther, that was it. Like, like that was, yeah. is that the, really the standard that we want to set? And so now I look back on it, I was like, that's setting our youth up for failure to be like, Oh, like you don't even have to go to college. Like if you even just get a scholarship, like that's enough. No, go to college, mm. get your degree, you know, pick whatever business or job you want. Like that's the standard. It's not like, oh, I got a scholarship. So that should be applauded. Like, yeah, it's congratulations, but that's not the standard. Well, the cultural conditioning is is an absolute, right? I, I don't even know how many social experiments have been done that exactly what you're talking about, Damien, is the, the, 
the negative speak that's preconditioned in a particular cultural arena, man, it's drilled in. It becomes a, it becomes a part of the fabric of how we educate our ki- our kids, right? And if you are, are a product of a particular suburban environment where the pathway to college is predetermined and laid out, that's what happened. If you're a pr- product of, a, of an inner city environment where it's, hey, you, you, we just got to get you out of the system so we're not responsible for you anymore, that's laid out. My, my fascination with you, though, is because you were in this wolf pack of brothers, and all of a sudden you had the light go on. You had, you know, the the existential reality of 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 being in this school, your future and the bleak nature of it to trigger the positive the, the negative speak into positive speak. Were you able then to acknowledge, hey, I've got to now teach my brothers to be thinking the same thing? And did that change the dialogue between the four of you? Yeah, so it was, you know, I was, the, I was the third oldest. So it was weird for me to go from the third oldest to having to be almost head of my family, right? And right. so it was like, you know, at the back, almost at the middle of the wolf pack to, you know, now I'm kind of leading. You're the alpha. You're the alpha. I'm, I'm the alpha. And so I had to go out and learn certain things that I had to bring back to them. But the thing is, I could tell them one thing. They had to come experience it for themselves and right. see it for themselves. So now my brothers live here in Missouri. And so one of my brothers back home, he was a felony, like he was in the streets, like hard, heavy. And now he's here. He, he has his he has his family. He had his first daughter. He has a you know a nine to five. And he was like, Man, like this is a great feeling. Like I got my own house now, which he awesome. never, you know, even had an apartment before. Like he, he got his first job, you know, and he's all about his daughter. So every night, every Sunday, we do family night. We come up, we play family field, we probably do karaoke night. Like it's a it's totally different from the way that we lived in Louisiana. And so now his daughter life, everybody life has changed differently now, like the whole dynamic. And honestly, that's my greatest accomplishment now to like see my brothers and to see that conversation change and to see them enjoy a whole new aspect, a whole new view of the world. It's insane. That's the best part about stepping out of your your kind of arena, your your the lower end of expectation. Reality, right? Yeah, I, mean, I love that you say arena. If you never leave it, it never changes. It's a, it's just just what you see on the TV kind of dictates that or, or outside. But man, you went and to Mizzou and you drug those customs and cultures and traditions that have been you know stooped in that place forever back home, and it just started to shed it. Yeah, migrate yeah, into yeah. your into your brothers and, and recode. <laughs> right, hey, recoded it, man. Yep. It's it, like, all right, there is something. It else. became contagious. Contagious, ah, right? Uh, great word. Yeah, thank you. Oh, uh, it became contagious. Yeah. It's, it's insane because I was committed to Louisiana Tech for the longest. I didn't want to leave, and which is Shreveport and Louis- and Ruston about 30, 40 minutes. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to leave my brothers. And the night before, my older brother came in. He was like, Look, I can tell you love Mizzou, like. It's not about us right now. You got to go out there and do what's best for you. He's like, in the end, it's going to pay off for you more. Amen. And I was like, perfect. And if he wouldn't have told me that, I went to Louisiana Tech and probably been home every weekend and probably I was hanging with the wrong crowds. So I would have still probably be in that same you know arena as you guys call it. I love yep. that y'all call it arena because for me, arena could mean so many things. Like I just think about like the gladiators back in the day because at the end of the day, it is a all out brawl like for life like to, Amen. to get to the next level I, I, I love i love arena like that's that's my new thing i hope y'all don't no we want you to take it 
LaDamian, let me ask you this, and I want to I want to shift a little bit because you've you've painted this, you, you know, you've really laid out this remarkable transitional phase of a young man becoming a man overnight, merely by not merely, I, that's too low of a word, but significantly by changing the 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 dialogue you were having with your yourself. Just that yeah. substantial. After you played, you did wonderful at, at Mizzou. You got, you started your career path. You made the jump. It has been a rough road for you at the professional level, to say the least. Can you talk to that struggle? And can you talk about why it is you're still grinding? You're still, you know, you're still pushing yourself in that capacity. I'm I'm so happy you asked that because earlier that was probably my second never quit greatest uh, moment because of this. So yeah, after Mizzou, um, I was seven NFL teams, two Canadian teams, so non-professional teams total. And I mean, just all over the world. And if I wouldn't, wouldn't have experienced what I experienced after I lost my mother, I would not have been mentally strong enough to accept everything that has happened to me Wow! right now. Like I I fought the battles that I'm going through now. I fought those battles back when I was 15, 16. I'm much stronger mentally now to where I'm like, this is a cakewalk. <laughs> like, like, right. it's, it's like, seriously, it's like I'm, I'm, I'm battle tested already. Like this right here, like that's like, that's it. That's the hardest you got. You to are hit me with. Like I remember like, like that's nothing. Like I'm so much stronger mentally. I've had years of practice to get my, like, this is a tool. Like this is a muscle that I, I work out all the time, like exercise, whether it's positive affirmations to myself or going through life battles itself. So each team, cut, cut, cut. It's like, how do you keep going? I'm just like, well, if they keep calling, I'm going to keep going. Until right. they stop calling, I won't. But, you know, and everybody's like, oh, like, you know, like seven NFL teams. Later. I was like, but guess what? It's a blend in there. They paid me to go to seven different cities. <laughs> so it's like, it's like how, how do you, either you can say it's seven failures or it's, it's seven successes in that. Like I, I got to meet so many people on that journey, seven different head coaches, a locker room full of all different players. Um, being an NFL player was never my dream anyway. That right. was just one of the platforms I was using to get to my dream. What so is your dream? I, I think it's just to, I, I really want to travel and share my story. And, it, and it's tough right now because I, I have been in that arena of football so much. So I was like, I can't give up on this because everybody always tells me, they're like, you're still young. If they keep calling, just keep playing. And I think it was more so I developed the contacts and meet so many people. And that's what God was setting me up for. So, and it was never a matter of like, if I was good enough, it was like an injury happened here, an injury happened there. And I was like, I'm good enough. Like I, I, I never doubted myself for one second. If I was getting cut, I was like, they fought like it was. I thought it was on the team. Like they just don't have an offer talent. It was never. Like, <laughs> Listen, if 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 Vince Papali, who we've had on the show, Mister Invincible, if he can make an NFL team at the age he was, there's no doubt that you can. I mean, you're already playing. I mean, you play. You're playing. So it, it's a remarkable story. You know, it, is it? Can you describe how you prepare for? Each day, how you can you could just like you talked about, you've got these mantras, these positive things. What do you do every day that gets you up, that gets you motive, motivated to get into the arena of life every day? 
I, th- I think the first thing I do is, you know, when I wake up, I make sure that I pray. You know, I got I got to thank God for, you know, Amen. just just the opportunity to wake up another day. And, and, and secondly, I think I put I put on this invisible hard hat, like cause I think every day is a, a day of work, no matter whether we go to work physically or not. Like it's, it's another grind. I put on my hard hat and I, and I and I always ask myself, what are my core values? What's my why? Because I know something in that day might happen where I get hit and it, it becomes bigger than me because for myself, I was like, I can't recover from that. But then I, I got to draw to my why. It's like, why do I do it? Why do I need to get up? Then it becomes I just had a kid. It becomes my my brothers. It becomes like just family, like people that I know that are probably looking up to me. And then I just say, you know what? Let's attack today. No matter what happens, nothing is going to throw off my course of action, negative or positive. It's like tunnel vision almost to like, this is my goal. I know where I said it. Like, this is what it's going to take today, then the next day to get that accomplished. So it's, it's, all, it's all about positive affirmations and knowing your core values and your whys, because something is going to hit you that's much bigger than you. And it, you know, you, you got to be like, all right, like, way bigger than me so like i gotta go to my core values i gotta go to my why (laughs) it's weird because you know i'm only 27 and the thing is i'm so thankful for the journey like amen i couldn't have pitched it any other way the harder it gets now that's the thing right you're exactly go ahead i mean cut you off you're right that's like man thank (laughs) you (laughs) thank you for this hard part i i'm ready for it thank you so much that's it (laughs) it's like it's like thank you like it's like you thought so much of me to put me through this hard time and I got through it. And usually when you go through something, it either tears you down or builds you up. Yep. And it's not going to tear me down. Like, no way. Like, so everything that I go through is only going to build me up. It's only going to make me stronger. So now you create like I, I honestly feel like I can't be defeated, even if I'm defeated, because I'm going to take something out of it. That's just going to add to me. Like, yeah. You're not tearing me. You're teaching me. Yeah. You're you're teaching me. Like, it's a lesson learned. It's never like, I'm I'm not losing this. It's lessons learned. I I don't even know how to put it into perspective. No, you work that muscle out until until it hurts, until it, it, I mean, you've, you've taken all that chaos that you put into that muscle to beat it down. And then next thing you know, boom, it's stronger. And that's the same. I use that analogy all the time. The human soul, the human soul. All right. Damien, man, I you really are uh, so much further ahead than you know, and you and the work you're doing is profound. And I think you know what's exciting for me is to watch a young man who has your clarity, who knows your why, who's ready to go out and really start making an impact in large groups of people. Although you know God's wish is that we do it one person at a time, I, there's no doubt in my mind you're I mean, going to. You're a lead, leader, man. You, yeah. you step up. You you take all that helmet, think, that body armor, and you're going to be throwing a tie and a suit on, bro. You're going to be leading one day. I just got to. I got to know how to put it all together. I think that's small because I, I just always feel like I'm a one man army. Like, how do I do this? How do I call this? Like, it's it's just so hard for me to put it all together. So I try and you know call a lot of people that I've met through the through, you know, my experiences and try and see what that looks like for me. Cause I, I mean, I would put down the cleats today if that's what I knew my path was going. And it's so, it's just so hard to get started, you know, honestly. Well, you, you'll get there. Don't worry. Just keep doing what you've done. I, the, I, before we, we wrap it up, one of the things I, I really, we always ask our guests is, is to offer our listeners some of these key components that you hold true, whether it's, you know, your, your belief system, your values that you talk so much about. Um, what are some things that you believe 
that are tangible for our listeners to 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 immediately start to change that speak in their heads what are some things they can do right now today to get them on that pathway so they can step into the arena like you have i think first you know i think the found you have to realize or find out what your foundation is made up of because if, once you got your foundation, I just tell people this all the time, you know, you can have a, a nice, pretty house, but if the first storm comes through and your foundation isn't right, the house is going to crumble. <laughs> you give me an ugly house, but the foundation is right. You know, it's like, it's like family, whether, you know, whether it's like family, God, or like, you know, kids, like whatever your foundation or whatever you hold true, your top five most important things in your life, make it your foundation and make it your priority. You know, you take five things to make them all your number one priority and make them your foundation of what you are built off of and built on. And I just feel like no matter what storm come through, you won't fall. Like, yeah, you abandon, you know, but you would never break or you would never crumble because your foundation is strong. So you have to find out what those five things are. Yeah. Amen. Absolutely. Amen. Well, I'll tell you what, um, I just keep thinking to myself how proud your mom would be of you and is. <laughs> Thanks. I, I just, it's going through my head, you know, you, That's you, for sure. you, you know, you, there will be a day where you're going to be with her again and, and she's going to look at you and throw her arms around you and she's going to say, son, I'm so proud of you. Uh, it, it's not even funny. Um, oh yeah, man. Yeah. You need to go off every now and again and just get a little smirk on your face and be like, mom. <laughs> yeah. Yo, know, yeah. you know, guys that get those tattoos to say mom tried, those are idiots, right? <laughs> those guys are idiots, man. Yeah. Like, you know, our mothers tried and they got it done. Yeah, they did. Yes, sir. Right? All right, LaDamian, where can people, what, what's coming up next for you? What do you got going on? Uh, what's in the future? And then where people, where can people follow and find you and, and pay attention? And then if you please talk about the, what you got going with the, the foundation as well, too. All right. Uh, first thing, um, I have my own website. So it's LaDamian.com, no apostrophe. So L-D-A-M-I-A-N.com. Um, and from there, uh, Twitter, um, I'm on there a lot, and it's just um, LaDamian Washington. Um, you can find me on there. But what's next is I'm working on getting together my own mental health slash child counseling service. Awesome. So it's in the work. It's called Tigers United, which I'm going to start here in Columbia, so Mizzou Tigers, so Tigers yep. United. Um, and from that, hopefully I can get my nonprofit, which is basically going out to help kids at disadvantage or help any kid that's like you know struggling or don't have mom or dad there. Honestly, any kid that's in their teens and they need someone, I, I don't I don't care what the suburbs, got both parents in the household, but you need somebody to talk to, I want to have that service. And that's going to be called bigger than me because I think at the end of the day, you know, no matter what we're going through, it's always bigger than us. It's always like bigger than me if I'm looking in the mirror. And um, that's basically what I got going on. You know, the cleats are always hanging up. Um, I got in my workout just to always stay ready so that way I ain't got to get ready. Um, <laughs> and so that's basically you know, what I got going on. And um, I, I got a contract on the table for the new league AAF, I believe. Right, right. So um, I get no call. That's where I'll be probably, you know, this winter because no matter what, you know, God granted me with that gift. I won't give up on it. Amen. Well, 
Well, Damien, uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for being you. Thank you for never quitting. Uh, and thank you for coming on here with us because uh, you are an exceptional, exceptional man. And uh, I just know our listeners are going to benefit immensely as, as I have. Thank you so much. Thank y'all, Marcus, Rutt, and Wizard, man. It's been a pleasure. Thank you guys for having me on, Marcus. Hopefully I get to see you this upcoming week. I'll yeah, be I'll in uh, Houston. And I'm so it's, it's a pleasure. Anytime, reach out to me, Rutt, Wizard. Any, I, I, I love meeting people. I love making connections. So it's been a pleasure. You got it. God Thank bless you. you. Take care. Right, God bless. Yeah. All right. Love you. Dude. At 27 years old, I was a knucklehead. At 27, oh, like <laughs> at 27 years old, right? I was in trouble. I, I was still. I, I just got. I think I was at 18 Delta, right? Uh, somewhere around there. And, bro, I was a chucklehead. I had no concept of being an influence to to boy young boys that needed role models are you kidding me this guy's incredible i mean he's beyond what i even imagine i mean you I mean when you when you tell me about somebody i absolutely get behind him like check Roger, i believe but man man hey, you guys know the deal i don't ever it's kind of like when wizards were still in the spear that time I was like, it's dangerous <laughs> sharp <laughs> careful, Dad. Be careful. <laughs> you gotta uh -oh. cut your hand. Off. I told you to be careful. Uh oh. <laughs> I don't ever say that. I mean, when I ever say, oops, yeah, oops. That's the toughest thing I say. With, I don't know why. I got. I think my mother gave me that. Oh, uh oh, uh oh, uh oh. Look on your face, man. Look on his face. Oh. I was happy it was still attached. <laughs> oh my god. It was just that little line. Oh. And then I, and, Bro, it's brutal. <laughs> Dude, I thought that thing was he almost... He almost, almost went through away. his guts. I, I, right? Guts. Was, his his no. back could turn to me. When he turned back around, he had that look on his face. It's got to be... meet meet up, right? That was our... First introduction. Yeah, man. You bled. Blood. You bled here. You bled. <laughs> Good job, man. You spilled blood on my place. I have <laughs> that's no idea how to Makes bring this back grow. to LaDamian Washington right now. I'll bring it right back for oh, you. I'm sorry, Thank man. You. You, were Thank talk, you. you were talking about how amazing it is. 27, he's, he's accomplished what he has. And you know what that puts in my head? There's a book by Malcolm Gladwell. I think it was in Outliers where it talks about the outsized number of children who lose a parent at a young age, how successful they become down the road. And now it's a little, I can't remember all the details of the explanation for, you know, why or his theory for why that happens. But I know one of them is that you are forced to, it forces you to go out and confront life earlier than yeah. you otherwise would in a world where your parents are your protectors and your, your, the guidance system that you have, you know, up and depending on exactly which culture you're in. But when you lose that, you are forced to either stand or fall on your own merit. And I think he's an example of someone along with his brothers who had to do that and came out far ahead of where they would otherwise be by this age. Not just one, but two. I mean, his dad at five, his mom at 15. I mean, are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. and, and you can hear the poise in his wisdom, right? I mean, he's got poise. 
He's got that ability to 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 look you inside know what you're himself. Talking about when you say something to him, oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, he's got the yeah. He'll uh, listen. Yeah. He'll, and, and he's and he's gonna you better be on point. Oh, you he because he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't at, attach himself to weightless ideas or concepts. Right, everything has gravity to a man like Ladamian. And, and when he speaks, you hear you hold that on every weight. moment. You get shifted around like that, and it's kind of like. <laughs> shine yeah man sometimes it can over be overwhelming you can just you can fall into the path and go but he just kept pushing himself and pushing himself and he's still pushing himself man he he really is uh you know a tremendous light in a generation that's not getting very much credit and and i think he's gonna have a mm. profound impact uh on on everybody he comes in contact just like he's he did here today with us and marcus thank you so much for bringing him on uh, you know, it, one of the other great benefits to to our show is that we get to these incredible listener write-in stories uh, to read these, to show other people and, and the struggles that are common to all. It's not just if you're, you know, you play sports or if you're a, a former special operations fighter. Man, we all struggle. That's the the unity we experience through the pain and hardship of life, right? The arena of life that we so aptly, you know, talked about again and again. And we've got one of those stories today. So here we go. I would. This is from Mark. I would like to start out by saying thank you guys for your service, your military service, and your continued service by inspiring those of us that need to hear words of encouragement and inspiration. I've been a paramedic in EMS for 22 years, and four years prior to that were spent as an EMT. Needless to say, I've seen, smelled, and touched things that most people won't and shouldn't have to experience. I was grinding along when eight years ago I hit an obstacle that lasted for four long years. I received a call for a GSW gunshot wound at about 0300. The victim was in his 20s and prone in the middle of the intersection. He had been shot six times from the back of his head along his spine down to the lower back. I looked into his lifeless windows to the soul known as eyes, which is usually a no-no for reasons known to us. Later, I found myself wondering why he had done that, what he had done to deserve this, and where is he now? Did he have a family? I thought about the family's anguish. I saw him in dreams and at times woke up in a sweat because he was chasing me, yelling for help. I had many sleepless nights, along with questioning myself, what the heck was wrong with me? This has never happened before, and why now? I pushed the thoughts way, way down and buried them. A few months later, something happened one night. After talking to my wife and kids about Christ and going to bed, I couldn't sleep. I felt fear. I felt as if my soul was being torn from me. I woke up one night on my hands and knees, drenched in sweat, with one arm behind me. I had dreamed that these black figures were trying to drag me away and I was fighting them. I woke up in this position. I was in my dream. 
During the four years I went through this, I would see my life, my family's life. My patience would haunt me. I walked around like Jesus had forsaken me. I found myself four times sitting on the edge of my bed with my Beretta 92FS in my hand held to my temple to end the misery and nightmares. I withdrew from my family, friends, and co-workers only after reaching out to them without them understanding. At the same time, I would get up every day for my shift and drive to work. Something way down inside of the darkness I was in told me to move on and don't give up. Put the gun down. I would find myself crying and pleading to God for his help and asking him why. At times, the darkness would give away to a little bit of light, and I would think maybe it's going away, only to go to bed and have the same nightmares and waking up feeling lost. I felt my wife and kids and everyone I knew would disown me. The rock I had in my wife and kids were no longer the rock for me. As I felt I could no longer rely on them, not realizing what I was putting them through. I went to a couple of churches and would try to talk to pastors for help, but to no avail. They couldn't or wouldn't help. I didn't want to see a counselor because they wouldn't understand either. I feared being put on a 5150. I don't know how I went to work having to help others during that time, but I did. I somehow knew I needed to provide for my family. There were times I would lash out at certain patients that would call 911 for us and take them to get their meds refilled. I found myself being scared of almost everyone and everything, and yet I struggled on day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. Things like fishing, hunting, traveling, being with the family that made me happy no longer made me happy. Thoughts that Jesus no longer loved me were always present. That he had given up on me were also there. Yet somehow I pushed not to give in. To, to not leave my kids without a father and my wife without a husband was there as well. I would read or try to read the Bible, but I couldn't focus on reading and would put the Bible down. I couldn't focus on conversations either. I struggled with taking classes to keep any medic, medic license for lack of focus and being able to pay attention. Again, somehow I would pass. Then one day, then one day I realized the thoughts were lies and coming from one place and not Jesus. I began to fight back those thoughts. When they came at me hard, I could not get rid of them. I remember that Christ said, in your weakest, my strength is made perfect. I would then ask him for help in fighting the evil thoughts. I did this day in and day out, almost minute by minute. The thoughts would get easier and easier to battle. And little by little, eventually, they went away and I found myself not being afraid or depressed. I was laughing again and happy. Four years in the darkness, fighting for my soul and my life. God helped me through. I wasn't having nightmares, waking up drenched in sweat or screaming. The light was shining once again on me, thanks to God, and I believe, and he believed in me, and I thank him every day for it. Then, December 2nd, 2015, the San Bernardino terror attack was perpetrated by two individuals sympathetic with ISIS. They killed 14, wounding 22. Yes, I was there. It's in my backyard and in my A.O., as you guys describe it. Seeing victims alive in the triage area one minute and dead the next was hard to witness. 
I had a job to do and did it. It did bother me and still does to this day. I don't know how it bothered me until the Las Vegas incident occurred. I broke down and wept uncontrollable again and I couldn't sleep. I called the National EMS and Firefighter Hotline and spoke with a firefighter in New York. Those 15 minutes on the phone with him was like talking with a brother. He knew what I was going through and was able to suggest I get help from a PTSD counselor specializing in EMDR. So I called around and found a counselor that said they specialize in PTSD. So I scheduled an appointment. My wife went along with me. Once again, she was my rock and she was all along. But for me, she was there again with me by my, she was there again with me by my side. So I went to two sessions with a counselor. On the second session, she made me worse to the point I waited. I wanted to hit her. And I didn't, of course. But this woman supposed to be helping me told me that I shouldn't help neighbors in need when they bring their kids to my house when they're sick or hurt. I was to tell them I'm off duty and go away. She told me that my neighbor lady who lost her husband reminded me of someone in my life and I shouldn't have gone to help. I had to pronounce her husband deceased. I remember walking into her living room from her bedroom where her husband was looking out the window and seeing the wife in the, in the grass on all fours being comforted by my wife and another neighbor lady. I stood there not wanting to give her the news. I finally walked out the door after praying. I opened the door. She stood up and looked at me that I was going to give her the good news. She had a look of hope on her face. I shook my head no and watched her face change from hope to anguish and despair. Just like that. I walked over to her and cried with her, all the while telling her her husband had died and there wasn't anything that could be done. This counselor should have stayed away. Tell her to call 911. That she reminded me of someone in my past. Are you kidding me? She asked why I, wouldn't, I would do that. I replied, I'm a paramedic and it's my job and duty. I got up and told her we were done and walked out with my wife never to return. I finally found the right counseling and I'm not on meds. I don't drink or use drugs. They helped me get through the PTSD. The right counselor made all the difference in the world. I have since helped a Vietnam vet still struggling with the demon of PTSD. I shared my story with him and his wife and we've all cried. I gave them the number to the right counselor, which made the wife cry even more. Along with me, she couldn't thank me enough. Her husband shared with me he had a similar experience with counselors since being home from the war. Others followed suit after that day. It helps them and me to share the stories and similar experiences. I am now getting trained to be a counselor myself to help co-workers deal with PTSD. I have good and bad days still. There are triggers, but I've learned how to deal with those through God. I didn't give up and quit God, my family, my friends, my co-workers, and my job. I plowed forward even when I was walking in darkness. I couldn't quit God and family. I heard that voice telling me not to quit. Then, a week ago, I started following Marcus on Instagram. I was already aware of others like Tim Kennedy, Dom Rosso, Black Rifle Coffee, etc. Yet every time I would go to Marcus, Tim, or Dom, this team never quit thing would pop up. 
I honestly thought it was some touchy-feely thing about peace, love, and not war. Yet this voice inside whispered, check out Team Never Quit. I ignored it for a while, but the voice inside got stronger and my curiosity got to me. So I, I decided to take the chance. I read what Team Never Quit was about. Honestly, when I saw Marcus was a part of it, I was like, Marcus had gone to peace, love, and not war. How can that be? This warrior that flew down from the mountain with his team was shot, broken, beaten, but not really down. Really? Then I listened to the episode with the owner of Black Rifle Coffee. I was blown away. Marcus was on the air with Rut and the Wizard. I knew Marcus, but not the other two. Then I found out that the Wizard and Rut were also SEALs, and I was like, wow. I can relate to the Never Quit mantra. I'm at home now with Team Never Quit. We have different experiences, yet I completely understand what Never Quit means. I listen now every morning on my way to work to be inspired and encouraged, even before I go to bed on my off days. I share with others about Never Quit. All have now tuned into the show and report they love it, and the show has helped them. It took you guys saying how important it is to never quit for me to realize that I knew that I have been living it all along. You guys are a blessing from God, and I believe God called me to listen to your show. He led me to you when no one else did, and I'm glad he did. Sorry for the long story. Thank you for what you guys do, and most importantly, God bless all of you. May he keep all of you and your family safe. May he continue to use you all for his purpose. May he draw more and more to you for encouragement and in inspiration. May he grant you all continued strength and to keep moving forward. Mark, God bless you. Man, I, I, I know that feeling you're talking about. I had a, a young girl that that died in a motor vehicle accident when I was in uh, San Antonio, Texas, working on the ambulances and ERs there going through paramedic refresher. In fact, that's why I have a, a Texas star on my bicep um, is to remember how precious life is. And I, I used to wake up seeing her face over and over and over and over for a long period of time too. Um, I'm, I'm, I feel the real presence of God in me after reading your story right now, because I, I hear it in your voice and, and I know God's what's got you through. God's also gotten me through all my hardest times in my life. I want to thank God for everything. I want to thank you, Mark, for writing in. I want to thought, thank LaDamian for his faith and what he's doing in this world to make the world a better place. I want to thank Tim Ballard. I want to thank all the people out there that are, are fighting against slavery. I want to thank my, my family, my kids, all my coaches I grew up with. I want to thank the listeners helping me on this path. And I want to thank you too. Thanks. Without you guys, I, I couldn't be here and uh, we couldn't be doing what we're doing. So thanks. For sure.
Good job, brother. Way to pull yourself out of that. I mean, it's uh, that peace we talk about. And what the war, is, life is the battle, right? It's always going on. But the experience that we, of life, gives us that peace. It's not that the war is ended. It's, it's all still going on. There's people younger than us and around us that are going through it all the time. It's just the level that you get to creates a, a peace, right? Because you can sustain and maintain. And when, you, when you're ready for what's coming at you, and you've seen both the good and the bad side of it. Gives that that perspective, that levity, right? Amen. So good job, man. You're you're right. Welcome to the team. I mean that uh, those first responders don't get a lot of enough credit as they should. I mean, think about that. Everybody wakes up in the morning, and nobody likes to deal with anybody else's mess or problems. As a matter of fact, when people are having a bad day, most everybody leaves the opposite direction. <laughs> You're talking about a group of people who throw on a uniform to go handle your help you through your bad day. Wow. And deal with theirs. They're normal. They got bad days, too. And they're trying to help you through yours. And you want to throw some mess on top of it? Come on, man. I mean, anybody who's willing to do that is special. special. Yeah, there you go. And I told you guys about Damien. Yeah, you did. <laughs> man, he's, he's sharp. <laughs> Thanks for doing that. Boy. Yeah, I always learn so much just... Uh, just listening to you talk about getting through your life. It was an exceptional interview, man. Great job. One of the highlights. Amen. Everybody who keeps bringing us back and listening to us, man, thank you so much. I don't have the words to uh, man, to even describe that, how wonderful y'all are to us. So thank you for that. Thank God. Thank the wife, for my family and my friends and teammates. Tim, man, yeah. yeah. I mean, what do you say about that? giving up everything to go help we can't help themselves i ain't in that place so good on you brother i'm out out As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.